Welcome back, everybody, to um, entry number three to my Dynasty Diary. I'm Eric Flynn. I'm the editor-in-chief over at uh, Dynasty Football Factory. And uh, so I'm behind-the-scenes guy and more supporting fantasy rather, be, rather than producing fantasy. Um, and other than that, I'm joined in a lot of leagues and trying to win like everyone else. So I'm trying to find some ways of getting ahead of you or getting ahead of the posse in my leagues. And the best way I know how to, to do that is by um, using the, the great minds in the community to get the info that I need um, to make to make those plays. Um, so what I intend to do here is make sure that um, you can put some entries in your dynasty diary to make you a winner in your leagues. So let's get into tonight's uh, entry. And it's uh, my guest tonight first came across um, and when I found the podcast um, in my rotation for Dynasty Trading, and a while later I found myself in the league with him in um, Scott Fisher's, I think it was a startup for Capital Pigs 3. Um, and let me tell you, the box of chat for that is pure fire. It's a start. It's after calming down a bit now, uh, but there's a lot of, a lot of heads are still there. Um, so we've been interacting on Twitter back and forth for good good spell now at this stage. Um, when I answered a shout out from from the guest uh, to come and join DFF, where I worked alongside him up until earlier this year. Um, he might go by at Shane as the worst on Twitter, but he's easily one of the best guys out there. You'll find his written work over at Fantasy Pros now, and he's co-host of Dynasty Trades HQ. Um, make sure and go ahead and uh, check out that podcast. It's none other than Mr. Shane Manila. How are you, Shane? I'm awesome, Eric. Uh, really excited to ha- be on your third episode. Um, you're number yeah. 103 in my Twitter rankings there as well. So I saw right. that. I, <laughs> I saw that. Finally, someone got the Twitter rankings correct. I mean, I saw a couple of those where I was like the 112, and uh, frankly, I'm disappointed in that ranking. It's terrible. Yeah, no, just excited to be here. Yeah, write some for fantasy pros. Uh, and then, yeah, just host a Dynasty Trades HQ and, uh, yeah, playing way too many fantasy leagues. Yeah, I, like I saw that. Like, I, I was looking out for leagues actually for age as, uh, as, as, as everyone else, like, I was uh, stuck looking for something to do um, in the evening time. I couldn't find anything for ages. There was no new league starting up until there. I only joined the Bosch League there the other day. It's a risky business. It's a salary cap option. Took over an hour from there. Um, so it was an interesting dispersal of myself, uh, Kevin Cotillo and um, Alex Johnson. We're just finished that now and franchising players. And I think we'll be going into the free agent auction before the draft. Um, so... You know, Bash's leagues are always uh, a bit different, and he's he's making moves already. You can see it every day. Um, yeah, yeah, John. One thing about John is is uh, the rules in his league. Uh, you better know them. Um, and regardless, you if know it's his he league, does. <laughs> yeah, and if it's his league or anyone else's, you best believe he knows all the rules and all the uh, tricks to those rules and how to push the envelopes on those rules, and he will use them. Oh, big time, big time, big time. So you're writing over fantasy pros these days. Um, you came out with a, a couple of articles there recently um, that I found interesting. Uh, first one among them was uh, like a lot of people on Twitter, or Bobby Cotchell, if you know, that we're kind of semi-shooters. 
Um, but what he mightn't know is it seems like we're tired of our Eifert shooters as well. Because uh, you wrote about um, Eifert uh, going to Jacksonville and maybe being a big player there. So does, does the TE tight end position equal tight or effort? Is he the man for this year? Is he under the valued stock? And the beautiful thing about him is he is literally free. Um, you know, just, just anecdotally playing in leagues. I, I know nobody is really shooting for Tyler Eifert. There's nobody like, you know, sending out, going through all their – their leagues and going, all right, I got to get Tyler Eifert on my team. That's who I'm targeting. I mean, the guys are throwing if he's owned um, at all. Um, he's a throwing in trades or you could probably ship out a fourth for him and get him. Um, you know, last year he, he did something that he doesn't normally do and he, he stayed healthy. He played all 16 games. Um, now he was sharing the, the tight end starting gig. He, he wasn't running, you know, what he usually does. Usually he was up around 80, 90% of snaps um, in Cincinnati, but last year it really dropped, I guess, maybe to keep him healthy or maybe that's just his limitations now. And he didn't see a lot of targets. So his production really wasn't there last year. Um, but he still intrigues me. I mean, he's still got big, big play upside. He's still got, you know, the speed um, and the agility that, that made him a freak uh, first-round draft pick many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the price, like I said, for free, yeah, I'm definitely – that's someone that, you know, if he's on another roster and we're making a trade, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know what, just throw Tyler Eifert in because no one's going to care. That's not going to stop any trade from going through. Now, will he produce? That's a whole other a whole other thing. Um, the, Jacksonville really last year didn't have any tight ends to speak of. Um I'm trying to think of the rookie that's down there uh, that was there this Josh year. Josh Oliver, yeah. Yeah, you know, and he's a guy I, I bought in on. But tight ends take a few years to hit. So there's, yeah, no reason that Eifert can't go down there um, again. And if he could stay healthy again two years in a row, which would be a miracle, um, he could definitely slide into that bottom, you know, bottom tight end one range. Um, doesn't take much, really. A touchdown every other game. <laughs> or a touchdown, you know, seven or eight touchdowns for the year and about 600 yards will get you into the low tight end one range. But that's definitely within his range of outcomes. But Jay Gruden down there now, like he, he's, he's always a, a guy like who looks to his tight end. He mightn't have had much of one last year with, with Vernon Davis being basically, he was too old of a donkey really now at this stage. Uh, but yeah, like he loved then- Jordan Reed while he was healthy. And Jordan Reed, I mean, Jordan Reed is like the, I guess he's Tyler Eifert's like the Jordan Reed proxy now. Um, way too much injuries and uh, a really good receiving option. So, yeah, like you're saying, Gruden, you know, Jordan Reed had his best years down there in Washington. Over there? I don't really know where it is compared to Philly. It's somewhere. It's not here. Um, so, you know. Yeah, they, maybe he'll bring an offense where they can focus on the tight end. It's not like they have a ton of weapons in that offense. There's DJ Chark. You know, they threw the ball way too much to Leonard Fournette. Uh, I think he had 100 targets or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and he was incredibly inefficient with those targets, and the team was awful. Um, so you would think that they're going to try to switch things up, which they did bringing Gruden in there. So I don't see Fournette getting 100 targets. There's no reason he should get more than 50 targets, to be honest with you. So, yeah. and McCartan, I mentioned uh, throwing the ball, he's not going to yeah. be looking too far downfield, I'd say, before he gets hit. 
So yeah, and that and that defense isn't good anymore. You know, they they lost pretty much everyone off that roster that made that defense really spectacular. So that's a team that could be in a lot of shootouts. You know, DJ Chark obviously is the the lead dog down there, but there's definitely enough target opportunity for Eifert to make a a, a dent. Uh, you know, perform down there. He might be the lead dog, but he he isn't uh, he isn't really part of much of a pack. Like, is he? You yeah, reckon they might go and draft somebody a bit more highly rated than Shaq? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. And I expect them to add a wide receiver in the draft. They'd be foolish not to. But even then, there, there's more than enough uh, enough targets to eat. And even in a, in a low-volume offense, if that's what they were, there's definitely still going to be enough targets there for Eifert to you know, make some noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely going to be throwing the ball in uh, and Furnish is probably – is it his last year in Jacksonville, I suppose? I can't remember. Is, it, is this year? Yeah, it's his it? fifth year. It's his fifth yeah. year. And, you know, um, generally they don't look to re-sign them. And, you know, last year was an outlier for Fournette. Entering the season, he didn't have 100 targets in his career. Um, and he had 100 targets last year. He had more receptions last year, if I remember correctly. I'm not looking it up. Um, but he definitely had more receptions than he did you know, just last year combined in his first uh, two or three years, three years. So I, I, I can't see that continuing. It was just an outlier of a year where for whatever reason they decided that Leonard Fournette was now our receiving back. Yeah. Uh, you pretty much, uh, I think you bought into Armstead last year before the season, even banking on uh, Fournette, uh, not, not seeing as much as he did. Didn't quite pan out, but there's still time yet there. You never know what will happen mid-season. They're looking to get out of Furnet. But um so we're we're in a couple of leagues together. Um are we uh, I think there's a Trades HQ couple of leagues coming up on stream before yeah next season maybe. Um so another one of your articles there came out yesterday. Uh, go check it out in Fantasy Pros is about trying to keep leagues interesting for people when you know when their seasons are over basically and there's no chance of them catching. Um, so what did you, what kind of, uh, things did you put out there to, to keep things interesting? Yeah. And just so everyone knows, I'm, I don't commission any leagues because that is way too much work. Um, so I just stole a couple of the ideas from some of the funner leagues that I'm in, um, or more of the, maybe leagues with more innovation. Now, you know, the HQ leagues, we don't need anything to keep us involved. We don't have to worry about that because, uh, everybody in those leagues is, pretty much has a sickness. Um, so we're year round where it's just nonstop talking about it. Yeah. And I think we have three, four, I, I think we have four, three new leagues launching this weekend or next weekend. So that's going to be a good time. Really can't wait. Um, mm. But yeah, as far as the article, one of the things I noted is, you know, make sure you keep the waiver wire open. There's some leagues where, uh, the commissioners decided that, you know what, once a team's eliminated from the playoffs or if the playoffs start, um, non-playoff teams can't hit the waiver wire, which is silly um, in dynasty leagues because it's dynasty. There, there's no off season. There's, you know, there, I am still trying to improve my team every second of the day in a dynasty league. Uh, I'm not going to stop paying attention just because I didn't make the playoffs. Um, Cause as you know, there's, there's guys that always come out of nowhere the last few weeks or even guys that perform in the playoffs. And you're like, you know what, I want to add this guy to my roster. 
And um, if you close those waivers down to the teams that don't make the playoffs, well, you know, there's at least six teams right there that have no incentive to pay attention to anything that's going on and just check out. Mm-hmm. Sure, even like with the rumors there about draw mix in there during the week, you could see waiver wires light up with people trying to pick up uh, either Rodney Anderson or Trayvon Williams and stuff. It just keeps everybody alive and alert to, to see if they can pick up some kind of value that they could turn few dollars out of yeah and i always wonder why we turn them off in the off season too because it's not like news isn't happening and i, I don't know it's just weird because then every time the people you know the, the commissioner is good to turn them back on it's all confusing for everyone well what days are we going to do them well you know what just leave them the same all year every wednesday that you know you run fab or uh, every day you could run um waivers um but whatever that's just me i think there's no reason to ever shut them down because then you don't have to worry about when you start them up and making sure that everybody's aware um one of my favorite things is payouts um for weekly high scores that keeps everybody involved because you know even if you're not going to make the playoffs you could still you know dog shines on or the sun shines on a dog's ass <laughs> at least once right So you could have a week where you show out, even if you're not going to make the playoffs and it's usually not that much, you know, it's five, $10, but there's been a few leagues that I've been in where we do that all year, you know, the the entire season. So you get three or four high scoring weeks under your belt. You've already almost, you almost paid, you know, got your buy-in back. Um, And that's before, you know, if you make the playoffs or not. And I just, I just think that's fun because again, if it's week, 12 and uh or week 13 and i'm you know a bottom four team and i know i can't make the playoffs well what's my motivation to even put in a roster you know what's my motivation to even put in a legit roster like i've seen people put in rosters that are just disgusting where guys you know have been on the ir for six weeks and they're starting them or they're starting a quarterback that got benched five weeks ago um probably less likely to happen if there's a monetary incentive because money is good and everybody likes money <laughs> no doubt about that um i think the last one last uh, idea you had was basically just toilet ball i think it's it's, it's nearly a standard in a lot of leagues now these days to have a, a toilet ball bracket uh once you're out of the playoffs but it does keep yeah. people interested it, it might it's be weird compensated yeah, I'm in a few leagues where they don't do them, and I'm always so confused if I don't make the playoffs. I'm like, all right, what do I do now? Like, I, I still want to set a lineup. Like, this isn't fun. I love toilet bowls. Look, if your season sucked, you're already in a bad mood, and then you don't even have a toilet bowl to try to win a pick. You're like, <laughs> I'm never going to make this team better. But at least if, you know, your team you had a bad season and you got a chance to get that extra first rounder or some cash, it just cheers you up, man, makes you interested. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I commission the league there, and what we do for the title ball is we give an added added waiver dollars for the following year, and waiver dollars are carried forward and tradable. So it it it, it does give a, a bit of an added incentive, like just to get get through there. And all waivers are like you have to have you have to bid a dollar or more, like for waivers, so you have to have waiver money. So it does add a bit, you know, and people seem to people actually clamoured people who were made the playoffs uh, wanted more waiver dollars for just reaching the playoffs as well. Um, so those little things that you can add in your leagues that can uh, keep people 
interested and up to date. I think when when I started my league, I did a, a newsletter, um, basically it started off kind of bashing people's rosters and 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 messing around about people's picks and uh, putting odds on where they were starting or how they were going to get on for the season. And we were great league uh, chat, and it's a uh, banter galore. Um, but it's, it's we've only lost one owner in three or four years now, and uh, he was sad to to leave the league. But uh, it's it's definitely you can think of various things to keep people interested. Small things mean a lot, um, whether it's five dollars a week, like uh, weekly money, or tie the ball, um, as you say. Um, so we're, we're we're nearly there. Next week, Goodell is going to be in his basement announcing picks. Um, we'll all be there trying to figure out who we're going to take for the rookie drafts. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't I don't spend all my nights watching player tape, and and I leave it to everyone else to crunch the numbers basically, and and I wait until and see what the NFL do, um, so I can decide where I'm going to see the values um, because I just don't want to put out rankings or anything like that there now because it's pointless until we see what the NFL teams want to do with their players. Um, so we're coming up to rookie drafts. Have you a lot of picks? Are you, are you Amanda has got that rookie fever? Or do you like to cash in your picks and, and get veteran you know, consistency like on your roster? You know, usually I'm all for selling off picks to get those veterans. Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm in so many leagues that I'll, I'll do different things in different leagues. Um, so in some leagues, you know, I'll, I'll go pick heavy. Other leagues, I'll sell off picks. But there is one constant this year. I am definitely a rookie fanatic fever having fool. Um, it's This class is so good that I'm willing to sell vets um for the 107 108 and a pick next year or something like that i'm willing to trade multiple first next year to get into the first round this year um i'm trading back in a lot of my leagues um if i have high you know high picks 102 or 101 102 103 104 and just trying to get multiple picks in this draft because this draft class, as people have been talking about for a while this is the type of draft class that you can rebuild a roster um, through you can easily if you have four picks in the first round if you can pull that off and I have done that in a bunch of leagues um, through trades and whatnot um, you could basically turn around the fortunes of your franchise you could do whatever you want you could go running back heavy and go ahead and draft you know J.K. Doblins, Cam Akers, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and then just add Justin Jefferson at wide receiver and all of a sudden, you could take a team that won four four games last year and, you know, make it a playoff contender this year with seven wins. Um, the class is just stacked. So I can't help but to have rookie fever. I've already had, you know, a few rookie drafts. And that didn't help. That just made it worse because I had, you know, three or four first-round draft picks in some of those leagues. And I'm like, that's not enough. I need more. Like, I don't care. I'm selling everything. I want all the picks. I literally want every single – I want the 101 through the 202. If I can make that happen, I will do it because this class is that stacked. They're, you know, the only position where there's not a difference maker 
is tight, tight end. end. Yeah. yeah. And even there, you can get a couple of them late that you should feel good about. But I mean, you got two quarterbacks that could be franchise quarterbacks. You have two wide receivers that could be wide receiver ones in the league. You got a few other guys below that, that, you know, if things break right, could be wide receiver ones. And then you have five running backs, something like that, four or five running backs um, that all could be running back ones. And then obviously this is all, if everything goes right, they could also all be busts. Right. But the class is so good that you can rebuild your roster just through this class. Where would you see the cutoff? Like in the middle of the second round? Is that where the value just – where is the fucking cliff? Like? I, look, if it's super flex, you can get through probably about, yeah, the middle of the second round. Um, I'd say for me, you know, once – it depends too because the way the orders at the draft go, a lot of people just – look, there's Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager, um, Justin Jefferson – those are the wide receivers that are smashed, just smashed first rounders to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the second round, you got guys falling like Michael Pittman and uh, Denzel Mims at the end of the first or maybe into the second. Um, and even a guy like Henry Ruggs, who I might not be high on, but the NFL is. Um, and then, you know, there, it's a large tier break after the top five running backs. It's just not very good for a little bit. But then there's guys that, you know, like Anthony McFarland, and Antonio Gibson that and Darrington Evans that are like I don't want to say sleepers because everybody knows them. Yeah. Um, but Gibson know, can, is definitely intriguing. Is the size yeah, of, yeah, yeah, they're all intriguing guys that you can see a path to relevance. Um, so it's just a really fun class. It really is. After having you know some classes where it was like, all right, well this is a good running back class, but not the wide receivers, and this is a good wide receiver class, but not running backs. Or like the Zeke year where it was, this is a good Zeke year and nothing else. (laughs) Um, It's just really fun to have all these different positions being stacked, again, except for the tight end. Yeah. And even there, you might get somebody in in your fourth round of your draft that might do something for you. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Honestly, in the fourth round of a draft, that's where I'll load up on tight ends because their hit rate's probably going to be better than any of the wide, definitely any of the wide receivers you would get there and most likely the running backs too. Hmm. So we're looking at say a top five running back class. Um and we've a lot of running backs that are kind of dropping in ADP, people like Gurley, Fournette is dropping, people like that. So of the RBs last year, like who were outside the top twelve, anybody you see pushing up through before the rookies uh come in and uh bash off yeah. the whole lot? It's a homer pick, but yeah. it's a guy that I liked even before the Eagles picked him. You know, I was big on Miles Sanders going back to before his final year in college when, you know, Barkley left and we knew, all right, he's finally going to get a chance to get some run at Penn State because this kid was, I don't know if he was a five star, but he was definitely highly recruited out of college and he was one of, or excuse me, out of high school. And he was one of the best running back prospects going into college. It just so happens he ended up playing with the greatest running back prospect in the history of college football and Saquon Barkley. So, you know, he finally got his chance and he showed out at Penn State. And then he had a great combine. And you knew he was rough around the edges. Um, There was some stuff that needed to get worked on. Uh, Fumbling was an issue, and that reared its head last year. He he fumbled twice in one game and kind of rode the bench for a little bit after that. 
um, but then didn't fumble again the rest of the year. His pass blocking was really poor to start the year, but by the end of the year, Sanders looked like a pro at it. Um, looking at what he did when Jordan Howard uh, was injured and went away, you know, they played 16 games last year. In six games without Jordan Howard last year, Miles Sanders averaged 18.7 points a game. Um, he actually, you know, he's never going to be the guy that's going to get 80% of the rushing share in an offense, but he picked it up to a 60, 62% rushing share when Jordan Howard went down compared to just 29% when Howard was there. Um, there's other things to look at. Um, he was the RB 20 and fantasy points per opportunity. And then what you look at, you go, well, okay. You know, cause no one thinks he can be a bell cow. The guy had 230 touches last year. That's a lot of touches. It's not the old days where, you know, guys are getting 400 touches, but if you can approach 250 touches in this NFL as a running back, you're going to produce if you're talented and that he's super talented. He was easily the best wide receiver on the team last year, um, <laughs> even as the running back. And you see him in open space. He's electric. You, you just, he, he's different. Um, and I think, and he didn't score a lot of touchdowns. He only scored six touchdowns on 229 touches. And I couldn't That's find where that down. ranked. It was 2.6% of his uh, touches turned into touchdowns. I couldn't find the rankings. I was looking all morning, and I couldn't see where that actually ranked. But I know it's low. Um, mm. You got a guy like Aaron Jones had, what, 19 touchdowns on Crazy stuff, yeah. Yeah, maybe 40 or so more touches. I just think Sanders is a guy that everyone's scared off because of Peterson in the committee and blah, 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 blah. I'm not. I think Sanders, even if he never sees 300 touches, I think there's no reason to expect that he won't see 250 plus and be an Alvin Kamara type of player, except that he's a better running back than Alvin Kamara, I think. Um, wide receiver, I don't know. It's close. I think Sanders is a lot better than people think he is. Hmm. We'll wait and see that. And so what's the other guy that probably pushed up through, as you say, getting close to 250 touches is probably Jacobs in, in Las Vegas, I suppose. He's the only other guy that could really push through, I suppose. And then they're both came out the same year, didn't they? Yeah, last year, yeah. Um, if Gruden um, decides that he's going to use Jacobs as, you know, a receiver since he's really good at it, um, mm. which maybe he missed the tape on that, particular skill set for Jacobs I'm not sure um Jacobs is another guy that could push for I think both honestly I think Sanders and Jacobs could be top six running backs next year you know it depends on their usage like most things but they're not just guys that are would be volume dependent and that's the only way they produce like these are guys that are actually very good and if they get the additional volume they're gonna they're gonna you know they're going to produce with it it's not like a lamar miller situation who looked incredibly efficient when he was in miami and then when he got to the texans he lost all that efficiency um you know and not that he was still an rb2 every year he was there or better it's just that when he was in miami he thought this is a guy if he got 25 touches a game would be an rb1 well he lost that efficiency you know when he got more touches i don't think that would happen with jacobs or sanders Mm-hmm. And I suppose Howard has probably gone to Miami to do a similar job to what he did last year in Philadelphia. So he's going to probably hold the candidate for whoever they're going to draft. Um, do you reckon it'll be all this talk about Dobbins? Do you reckon he's, yeah. uh, he's the most probable likely guy? Or Swift or who knows. Um, but yeah, Jordan Howard's going to lose that job again to someone. 
It's a, I mean, that's his new role now. He's just going to be that guy every year. He's going to go to a new team, and then they're just going to draft a rookie running back to take his job. It's not a bad gig if you can get it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Six, seven million a year? <laughs> no, that was, <laughs> I take I take on those guys, no problem for that kind of money. Yeah. Um, so, yourself and myself, we do a lot of trading in our leagues, um, probably more than most. Um, you especially. Uh, you keep turning, keep turning. Um, but is there any guy that you're trying to get ahead of the game now and sell now before the end of the season comes and yeah i'll go ahead and sell christian mccaffrey um on the basis that everybody keeps telling me that you know he's different he's different than every other running back that we've done this with right you know two years ago todd Gurley was christian mccaffrey and people looked at you like you were crazy if you were selling todd Gurley. and two years before that it was a different running back and two years before that it was another running back Uh, you know christian mccaffrey yes he's a great receiver but it's not like the two roles are in a vacuum. It's not like his receiving work wouldn't be affected by the toll that being a running back takes on them. Um, running backs break down young. It's what they do. At the age of 26, most of them are not going to produce his top 24 running backs anymore. Yes, there's going to be outliers like Adrian Peterson, um, Frank Gore. But, you know, I did a study looking through the last eight seasons of top 24 running backs and there were so many different names on there that you, you know, I'm going through and like, I remember DeMarco Murray. Oh, I remember, you know, Isaiah Crowell. And yet, you know, Christian McCaffrey's obviously a better player than both those guys. But age beats down running backs. It's what it does. Touches beat down running backs. You know, the guy played over 95% of the snaps last year and the year before. Like, there's only so much your body physically can take. And it's, you know, it's not even just rushing attempts. Like, you're still getting hit. You're still getting worn when you're blocking. You're still getting hit. You're still getting worn when you're running out on routes and you're getting tackled. Um, Plus, you know, 200 to 250 rushing attempts a year or whatever he ends up getting. So it's not that I think he's a bad player. And he might be an outlier. He might be a guy that doesn't until he's 30. It's just, I'm just, you know, I'm going to try to get out ahead of most running backs. Um He's probably going say, to get hit a lot this year again, like seeing as Teddy Bridgewater is there throwing the ball. He's not going to be throwing it too far downfield. So. No, yeah, everything's going to be within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. So, you know, he'll, he'll see another 100 targets, and that's another 100 times he gets tackled, and, you know, besides the rushing work that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's nothing specific to him. It's just what happens to running backs. Two years ago, Todd Gurley looked untouchable, and everybody looked at you like you were crazy if you traded him. And that's, I'm just going to keep doing that. He could be an outlier, but there's a reason they call them outliers because they're few and far between. Could you put a value in them? Like, it's very hard to see what you could actually get out so of them. Like this. That's the harder part. So I only own McCaffrey in one or two leagues. Trading him is difficult because nothing that someone offers you feels like enough. And anything you want to offer to someone, you go, holy shit, this is a lot for McCaffrey. Like, is he going to do this? You know, it's like, I'm sorry, you got to give me five firsts. Like, this is the only way I can see making this happen. Or I'll give you my, you know, give me Miles Sanders and three firsts. I mean, the problem with selling McCaffrey is you're never going to get what anyone thinks is enough. Mm. It's a very limited market. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, there's not many times you're going to make a trade and someone's going to go, well, that looks about even because um, yeah. they're going to, most people are going to think you didn't get enough for him. And I understand that. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind pivoting from him to a wide receiver, you know, maybe pivot to him, trade him for Devonte Adams plus trade him for maybe Michael Thomas straight up. Or if you can get a little more on the Michael Thomas side, go for it, stuff like that. Trade DJ, you know, get DJ more and maybe Miles Sanders if you can for Christian McCaffrey, something like that. Hmm. What do you think DJ Moore now is Teddy Bridgewater? I, uh, I love DJ Moore. Um, he can run out of the slot. I think Curtis Samuel does that in there now. Mm. But DJ Moore is a yak monster too, um, and he could be a deep threat. So I, I'm not too concerned with him, um, with Teddy Bridgewater there, especially considering and looking at what DJ Moore did last year with Kyle Allen, who was absolutely garbage. Um, and before that, you know, an injured Cam Newton. Teddy Bridgewater is not a top 15 quarterback, but he's better than Kyle Allen. And if Kyle Allen could support DJ Moore to nearly wide receiver one status low end, I don't see why Teddy Bridgewater um, won't be able to do the same. Um, so they're shifting away from a bit of fantasy. Um, we've got a fantasy island and see what you bring with you um, to listen to for the rest of your days. Is there any particular album? I know you're a music head like myself. <sighs> So here's the problem, man. If I'm on an island, I only get one CD. Can I get a like Spotify playlist? Forget about it. Can I do that? (laughs) (laughs) So one album ruining the artists. They can't get paid. Uh, The problem is, is I just love so much music and I love so many different artists. But uh, for some reason, I'm on a Towns Van Zant kick again. So assuming. That I get stuck on this island in the next few weeks. Uh, give me Towns Van Zandt's greatest hits. Um, lungs. Um, and if and no one's ever listened to Lungs um, or Towns Van Zandt. Towns Van Zandt was, what, 60s, 70s? Yeah, probably early 70s, everything. Yeah. I, I think country is kind of – it's more rockabilly country. Um, like when there was country and western. I, I don't know how to describe it, but mm. – it's just great music, and uh, his song "Lungs" is—it's two and a half minutes, but it's just some of the most well-written words that you've ever seen in a song. And it's just—you know—a lot of people. I, I don't want to say this nicely. We like to think that we're smarter than people from the south, or people from the west, <laughs> or country folk, you know, um, and the wordplay and just the poetry of that song is beautiful. Um, And just, like I said, it's two and a half minutes, not super long. You wish it was longer. It's one of those songs you're like, Oh, if he had a 10 minute version of this, I would listen to it. Um, And then he's got a few other songs that are just amazing. Um, So yeah, I'm going to go with Towns Van Zandt's greatest hits. Stuff. Good stuff. Um, So another thing I'm doing with everybody who comes on is uh, room 101 where we put into Room 101 something we want to get rid of, um, shove it to the eater, and leave it rot away there for the rest of the days. Uh, so is there any kind of uh, irrita- something irritating you other than Trump and all his uh, coronavirus? Uh, <laughs> Damn it, I stayed away from politics this whole goddamn episode. Don't make me go on a rant for 40 minutes. Um, 
Just this is, no, I've, mentioned, <laughs> I've mentioned this a few times, man. If you respond back to my trade offer with LOL, I, I honestly want to find you and run you over. <laughs> um, there's so, something so dismissive about LOL when someone sends it to you in that way. And that's in any context. Um, just something about it. It's just like, oh, it, it literally just my hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Just reject it and move on, like. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we all laughed at a few chains trades. <laughs> don't uh, <laughs> definitely don't say LOL. Um, so we're all stuck at home, uh, supposedly watching too much TV and stuff by by the looks of people's uh, twitters. Was, are you stuck at home watching anything on TV? Yeah. So. I, I've actually been doing a couple different series. I, obviously, I watched Tiger King, but that was only twelve episodes, right? So, or whatever it was, maybe. No, I didn't 12, watch that. Robert Shadow. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> it's not Shakespeare, but it, it was good, fun, human wreckage type of stuff. Um, then I've started going back and watching The Wire, so I just watched season one again, um, and I started watching Ozark uh, last week, and oh, yeah. I'm up to season two, episode four. Very good, yeah. We're in the middle of season three now at the moment, yeah. We've been looking forward to that for a while. Yeah, it's a very dark show. Um, and, yeah. you know, watching it, though, I keep wishing that Jason Bateman would just turn into um, Michael Bluth from Arrested Development and just play the role that way, because <laughs> um, I think it would be hilarious. Um, but, yeah, that's a fun – fun's a hard word for it, I guess, yeah, maybe. But it's a – Definitely not fun. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a good watch, you know. It's a good watch. It's dark. Um, I put it off for a while because I was like, this premise sounds absolutely ridiculous. Just like I put off Breaking Bad, Bad for many years for the same reason. And then I watched it, and I'm like, this show's awesome. So I don't know if Ozark would be in my top ten all time, but uh, right it's still a pretty it's good, good watch. Enough, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if you are you a big reader, you in it? or audiobooks, yeah. or I'm ashamed or is it just to say odd it. podcasts. Yeah, I don't I don't read a lot of books. Um, well, and by a lot, I mean none. Um, all I really do is I read, you know, websites. I have my regular bookmarks like Gizmodo, and I'm kind of a phone nerd, so I'll read FanDroid and uh, Droid News Daily. Uh, obviously ESPN fantasy football sites like dynasty football factory, um, I've heard dynasty of that league one. football, <laughs> dynasty nerds. Um, uh, there is a bunch of fantasy football websites and then just news, um, obviously politics. Cause uh, I, I guess I'm a sadist and I liked to read about the, the right that I don't really like very much, but whatever. Um, so I have a news aggregator, the smart news app that I love. Um, cause it gives me, you know, articles from all types of sites. It's, it's the greatest. So it does give me some right wing sites. It gives me CNN, you know, and then tech sites and science. And I love reading that stuff. Just anything that like the national geographic puts out stuff like that. Oh, just, I love reading that. I think my attention span is too short for books but it's perfect for like long form uh, articles on magazines. So you're, you're a link hitter. like can keep, keep, keep clicking through to, <laughs> to, to stuff and getting the info. Exactly. Uh, so you, you follow a lot, you, you read a lot of uh, fantasy content and people's websites and you're, you're very active on Twitter. Uh, is there any, 
any guys out there that are small time folk that uh, you like engaging with or are kind of uh, are intrigued by their, what they're producing? Yeah, so, you know, I won't call these folks small time. I'd say they're underfollowed for whatever reason. But uh, our buddy DFF underscore Justin. Um, He's putting out Justin, a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Justin is nearly putting out an article a day, it seems like. Um, I'm thinking of having a, a Justin weekend. Yeah. Uh, one of these, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we need to tell Justin, dude, just take take your foot off the, the gas for a minute. Just breathe, breathe back. Just take a day <laughs> off. Take a day off, my man. Um, Justin's a great guy. He's always interacting with people on Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Great guy, really good writer, um, and like I said, a good guy. And then my buddy at Real Fantasy, uh, well, I, I put up <laughs> – so let's go ahead and actually bring up who I – so I brought up <laughs> – so I'm not great with remembering people's timelines. Or excuse me, I'm not great with remembering people's handles. Uh, um, so anyway, who I wanted to say was – yeah, no, this is his handle. My bad. So it's my buddy Josh Valentin. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The real at real fantasy TL, right? Yeah, that's it. That's him, and he's a co-host of the Fantasy Timeline, and he's in at least one of the HQ leagues, and probably two after we start the other ones. Um, just a really cool guy. I, I like the fan, you know the Fantasy Timeline. It's one of the shows I, I added to my pod uh, rotation. Um, just like you know, I have to add, add, had to add yours. Um, it sucks because there's only so many hours in the day, and then people put out these podcasts, and you kind of hope, like, all right, please let this suck, so then I don't have to listen to it anymore, right? But it's your buddy. You're like, I got to give it a shot at least. <laughs> you're like, but I hope he's really bad at it. Yeah. And then it's good, and you're like, all right, apparently I'm going to take up another. You know, I'm going to start walking more or something. But yeah, Justin. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've had the same uh, issue there lately. Adding people's uh, pods to the rotation, I've had to drop a few there. Um, one actually that I'm really liking at the moment is, is two guys at uh, or a couple of guys at DFF is uh, is Dave Wright uh, at FF Spaceman and um, at FF Walrus as well as uh, oh, FF Bantaman. Yes. It's the tale of two rivals. Um, they have a really good show going at the moment. They've only started there recently, so I added that and I dropped. <clears throat> I won't say who. Uh, it was a big name. <laughs> so, uh, you 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 get used to hearing a lot of the same things in shows, I suppose, and you just you just have to skip them at, at some stage. Um, but there are two guys anyway to follow. Um, obviously, your own show is uh, hasn't left my rotation. Uh, Dynasty Trades HQ. You're 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 pumping it out there every week. And nonstop in my play there the other day. It was a great guest. Um, yeah, we, 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 I don't want to say we get lucky, but uh, Jeremy does all the guests. He finds a guest. So it's funny because sometimes people hit me up and be like, hey, can I come on the show sometime? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask Jeremy. Like, I got nothing to do with that. Like, he handles all of it. And a lot of times, you know, he'll just keep it secret to me until like the day before. So he's like, hey, uh, what do you think about talking to Mike Clay? And I'm like, hey, that sounds pretty awesome. Let's do that, my man. So Jeremy kills it. Yeah, he just gets great guests all the time for it. We can't forget Sipes because uh, he definitely holds the whole show together. There. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no, yeah. Sipes, uh, Sipes is the glue to that show, man. Dealing with me and Jeremy is not easy. Um 
I'm basically like a trained monkey. Um, you know, I get on the mic and I say things and you have to cut out a lot of the things I say because, you know, you, you don't want to get um, people offended too much um, by the things I say. So he's got to take care of that. And then he's got to wrangle me in because I'm not paying attention half the time during the show. I'm just playing on my phone. And then you got Jeremy. He's very temperamental, also like me. And we're both very finicky and need a lot of uh, cajoling. And he, he very much cajoles us and edits the shit out of the show so we don't sound like morons. <laughs> um, so for those guys out there, if there's anybody listening to the show, but um, is there any one piece of advice that anybody who's starting out in Dynasty or playing or any kind of fantasy, whether it's Dynasty or IDP or Redraft or whichever way you want to go, is there any kind of advice that you give them that you wish you knew when you were starting out in leagues? Yeah, I, look, redraft, whatever. Um, but dynasty, I mean, there's so many pieces of advice. You know, there's uh, get your running backs and rookie drafts and get your wide receivers and startups, things like that, I believe in there. Trade back in startups or things like that. But just to me, really the, the best advice is just to dive in and just try different things, um, whether that's different leaks, um, whether that's, you know, different types of startups, auctions versus, you know, snake drafts. What I learned is the, the more league, different types of leagues I played in, the better I became at it because it helps you train your mind to look at things differently. And, you know, people, it doesn't seem intuitive, I guess, but when you start looking at, you know, you look at tight end premium leagues and you're like, all right, well, this is how I value them here. Just training your mind to learn how to value players differently for different formats um in different settings like okay how do i value players in an eight in a league where i start eight players well that's going to be different than how i value players in a league that starts 12. um so i think it's just really it, it's kind of a learning exercise getting in leagues like that even if you just find one league if you just want to do like two or three leagues find one that's different than the other ones you're in because it helps you expand your thought process there you have it it's uh just Spread the love and, and join a lot of leagues and uh, give us your money. Yes. <laughs> Tell yes. us which ones you're in. Yeah. Um, so that's it, guys. Uh, I'd like to thank Shane. You can find him at, uh, at Shane is the Worst for whatever reason. Um, you can find him co-hosting at Dynasty Trades HQ the podcast uh, with uh, Sykes and Jeremy. Um, find them probably during the draft where are you going to be you'll probably be on some live stream during the draft dummies or no uh, you know what so i am laying on the goddamn sofa and just watching the draft because the last what three drafts i was with dff and i was an editor and i think the last two years we decided that it would have been really fun to do live content last year i think it was when we decided it'd be great to do them as soon as the draft picks hit to do an immediate reaction piece. That was a horrible idea. I didn't enjoy the draft at all. And I was just praying that no offensive players would get drafted after maybe the first six of them. Cause I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And even the year before, cause you know, it was, Oh, we got to get content out the next day. Like it's got to get out the next day. And you know, the year before that, you know, it was a little slower paced, but still no, this year and, and then doing podcast appearances, screw that. I'm laying on the sofa. I'm not doing anything but watching. And then I'll tweet about it. Like, oh, great pick. Well, you can enjoy that because 
we've got big plans for the draft on <laughs> I am not going to lie to you. Um, I do not miss editing most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be sure and check out DFF on the night of the draft. Uh, draft days one, two, and three. You've got teams lined up to give you instant reaction on running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And uh, guess who will be managing the editing of it? Yeah. Hey, um, hopefully everybody knows how to load their stuff up in WordPress and you just hit spell check and <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got a we've pretty much got a format nailed down, I think. Uh thanks thanks to the teams there. They've been working on it there with the last week or so. Um also uh, just if anybody's out there looking for a decent mock draft with mocking to to the teams for round one and the fantasy impact, be the IDP or um, offensive players, um, we've had uh, Calvin Timms and um, Chip Brebler, and so it's uh, at, at DFF Calvin, Understar Calvin, and and at Dynasty TRIDP, <laughs> I think it is, is Dynasty Trip. Uh, they put out uh, we've two sessions of the their mock draft with a uh, fantasy impact, and it's actually a very good read. Um, I looked at the two of them, so with first 10 picks and then 11 to 20 and 21 to 32 will probably drop early next week before the draft. Anyway. Um, so as I say, make sure and follow Shane, entertaining and his timeline as always. Uh, you can follow me at Eric John Flynn. Um, you can follow the pod at My Dynasty Diary and hopefully we'll come back with a few more, uh, maybe one more before the draft, um, most likely after since uh, I'll be busy editing. <laughs> but uh, thanks again, Shane, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. Cheers.